Hello and welcome to this very special edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. I am Jeremy Fisk, joined as always by Chapin Hemingway and Lee Carlo. Today we are going to be doing a revisit of a 25th anniversary movie. Um, it is Brian Singer's The Usual Suspects. Ooh, and Brian then Singer. we are gulp. Ooh, yeah, gulp. Brian Maybe Singer starring Kevin Spacey. The usual suspects. So movie uh, been canceled. <laughs> we'll get into all that, I'm sure. And then we're gonna do our we're gonna do a draft of our favorite um, twist endings in cinema. Usually, when there is a crime, there is a motive. I want to know why. 27 men died on that pier for what looks to be $91 million worth of dope that wasn't there. Usually, when there is a lineup, there's only one real suspect. This whole thing was a shakedown. And there's no way they'd line five felons in the same room. But this is not the usual crime. This is not the usual motive. He was in the harbor killing many men. Kaiser Shizze! He saw Kaiser Sose. And these are not the usual suspects. Keaton. I'm a businessman. McManus. There's nothing that can't be done. Hockney. What, you got a team of monkeys working around the clock on this? Fenster. Flip you. Flip you for real. Verbal Kint. Roger, really? People say I talk too much. He doesn't know what you want to know. I don't think he does. Not exactly. But there's a lot more to his story, believe me. In a world where nothing is what it seems. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled is here. Was convincing the world. I know he's here. He didn't exist. You've got to look beyond the usual suspects. Oh, right. Oh, I totally forgot about that. I mean, I'm ready for it. But yeah, we're going to do our challenge for next week so that uh, we all have a uh, different movie to watch. It's sort of our uh, our new way of doing a just effing watch it. Chapin, do you read our texts? It's hard to keep up. They usually take place at 3.30 Pacific Standard Time in the morning. Yeah, 3.30 a.m. You guys, Jeremy and Lee have their best podcast ideas immediately when they get up to deal with their children, which is when I am in ultimate REM sleep mode. So Anyway, wakes up to 75 texts. All right. So uh, first off, this um, episode is brought to you by the Noisy Cricket. Um the noisy cricket, as you guys obviously know, it's a tiny palm-sized firearm of astonishing power. <laughs> Despite its small size, it launches a large orb of energy. The, the cricket can level a truck or blast through five feet of concrete. Uh, few people can even hold on to the gun properly to minimize its recoil. So uh, get your noisy cricket wherever you get your firearms, Walmart. <laughs> Probably. Yep. So I like yes. how I like how the, the the podcast we record on the same night as the the DNC is brought to you by a firearm. Listen, there's bigger well, Second Jesus. Amendment all the way. We would uh, we would like to it's be an political official, on this podcast. Uh, government agency. Yeah, they sent me firearm. one uh, to try out as a product test, which is which has been lovely. Yeah. Although um, I'm not sure not- of the legality in Oregon. 
or Massachusetts. And, and um, now Chiba yeah, no longer has a dog. Is it classified as an assault weapon? I'm not sure. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Let's just say that. All right. So uh, this week we are revisiting The Usual Suspects. It's a 90s movie. 25th year uh, anniversary, and I bring up that it's a 90s movie because it was sort of in our wheelhouse of, at least for me, I'll I'll speak for myself, but I think I can speak for you guys too, um, our most influential sort of cinema. When we were discovering uh, new movies and what we liked about movies and, and... the Usual Suspects was sort of high on that list of like the movie you you recommended to friends and oh man you got to check this out what a what an ending what a story and it's obviously most famous for its twist endings ending as we're going to be talking about our favorite twist endings at the end of this podcast. But it got me thinking, and actually I thought about this a little bit when we talked about The Sixth Sense. What is it about movies changing in the narrative at the end that is so compelling or so satisfying? And I bring that up in regards to The Usual Suspects, obviously because it is very famous for that twist ending, but also it sort of demonstrates what cinema is it basically is fiction that is portrayed to you within the story of the story, if that makes any sense. So basically, you have a narrative that is any movie is pretty much an, a fictional narrative that is, you know, um, portrayed to the audience. And that's the story that we sort of engage with. But what makes this so unique is it's a story sort of within a story. Why, well, what is it about that that is, if it is, satisfying? And what is it about twist endings in general that sort of work in cinema? I think there's a lot of different answers to that. I mean, there's there's the basic idea of just the unreliable narrator that I think is intriguing in a lot of movies. You know, we've talked about that uh, in a lot of different movies, like, you know, the Dark Knight movie uh, with the Joker, for example, sort of like an unreliable source of his own backstory. And and here you have what turns out to be an unreliable narrator with verbal Kent. And I think that's interesting. I also think that there's just something basic about not knowing what's going to happen next. You know, I've never been able to really understand the people that need to read the end of the book first. You know, I, I know there's a, a large group of people that just prefer to do things that way. Lydia is sort of among them. She kind of likes to know what happens and she can still enjoy a story. But, uh, you know, I, I like not knowing what's going to happen next. And a twist is sort of the the ultimate version of that. Because not only do I not know it's coming, but now it actually makes me go back and think about everything that I just saw and reevaluate it and sometimes right, that reevaluation yeah. turns into making something better sometimes it doesn't but i think a twist ending is just a, a a large example of you didn't know it was coming so it's a, you know and the surprise is something that's engaging and exciting 
Yeah, I guess I guess my question is you answered it, but I guess my question is like really like any movie is an unreliable narrator. It's a fictional sure. tale that it's telling you. So why is it so unique for this movie to then sort of pull the curtain back on that fact and have the char- take it one step further and have the character then tell you a fictional tale? In in is that still satisfying? Like, did you guys find that satisfying this time around? I, I think it's. Uh, I I love that point. I love the idea of a a narrate uh, like a story within the story, the storytelling elements of it. Um. I I do think um. I do think that they're they can be kind of divided into into two categories, and Lee kind of hit on it, but like, it's in one sense there's this surprise of it, the shock of it. And I think that can be like any, like the same sort of emotional reasons we invest in horror movies. Like there is a surprise to it and, and surprises are appealing to human nature for some odd reason. Um, we like those kind of things. We like being scared or surprised or, um, which is fine, uh, but there's also those uh, twist endings, and sometimes they can cross paths where the ending makes you rethink the whole movie and makes you maybe see a movie through a, through the different a different lens. Um, and those are the ones that I prefer because they feel less um, sort of manipulative. They they feel more um, sort of intentional and smart, and not just doing it for the sake of doing it. Um, Mm -hmm. and they're meant to, they're, they're used as a, their utility is important to the filmmaker. It's, um, and I, you know, I tried to make my top five list, um, you know, with that in mind. So, um, I, you know, I think usual suspects, like I actually wanted to ask you guys because I, I, I'm not, I'm still not clear as to like what actually happened and what didn't happen. Um, and I think that the, the, it's an interesting thing to discuss. And I think discussing the elements of the filmmaking are also something we should do as we will. But, um, you know, I don't know that this twist ending is one of the, I guess the, the sort of high art versions that I just described. I don't, I mean, it does make you go back and rethink everything, but you don't watch this movie in a different light knowing with what you know. And I think the, the, the reason for that is that you, um, are being told the you're, you are in Chaz Palminteri's shoes, not verbal Kent's shoes. You're, you are being manipulated the way uh, Kevin Spacey's character wants you to be. So you're seeing these things that didn't actually happen. Whereas in an ending, the kind of ending that I'm describing, it's like, kind of a Rashomon effect. You just see it in a different way. Um, whereas we saw, you know, we, we saw things that essentially just didn't happen in the, in the real narrative of the, of the movie. And so I think that makes it a little less satisfying. Yeah. I, I want one more comment on Jeremy's question and then it'll lead into exactly what you're talking about. Shapen. I, I think an, an added piece of having the, character in the movie telling the story is it's sort of like 
opens all these doors for the screenwriter and the filmmaker, and not necessarily in a good way. Like if you're telling a, a story, like you're just any typical narrative movie, in most cases you have parameters, you have rules, you have a structure of your story. By having a character in this movie telling a story, and as we come to learn making one up, it can be anything. Anything can happen. So you get to the end of this movie. This twist is revealed. And if you haven't seen The Usual Suspects yet, I'm sorry. But it's, it is revealed that Verbalkin is, in fact, Kaiser Soze. And now one of two things happens as a result. And this is probably something that you can only realize after having seen this movie several times. You either realize that everything that you have just seen means nothing at all, or that everything that you have just seen is kind of confusing now because you're not sure what was real and what was not. Right. And that's frustrating on either account. So while the twist in this movie is sort of jaw-dropping and iconic for that reason, it's ultimately not that effective in terms of making this movie whole. I think there's some cool parts of it that... You know, you can watch some scenes throughout this movie, in particular the first scene with Kobayashi when he shows up and he's talking about how he works for Kaiser Soze and all these guys seem to know bits and pieces and you kind of get this, you know, little inside piece that you know now that Kaiser Soze is standing in that room with them. So, yeah, that's kind of cool, but is that's not... That doesn't make a movie, especially the first time, because there's no, there'd be no way of knowing that. So, obviously, we'll spend a lot of time on this twist and how it impacts the movie. I, I know we have other things to discuss, but for me, the the very existence of Spacey as the narrator, the character of Verbal Kint as the narrator, opened up way too many doors for this movie to do whatever it wanted. So, come twist time, it did just that, whatever it wanted whether it made the movie whole or not. I kind of disagree because I I think, first off, it's the story itself, if you don't know, like forget the twist or whatever, the story itself is intriguing and fun. Like ultimately it's a fun story. It's a, a, you know, sort of violent noir um, that's funny at times. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's great in that sense. Like you could just watch that without... But there are rules that Verbal Kent is playing by, and that's where it sort of becomes interesting, because he has to know what Chaz Palminteri's character knows definitively. He has to know that there are there was a boat that blew up. There has you know that there's money. That there's these people involved. That this happened. This happened. This happened. Like th- there are facts that he has to play with and then fill in the story in between in a way that he can sort of manip- manipulate it without it um without it be like going overboard so i think the fact that that has to happen makes it work i i like that point and i think that's true and just from a screenplay point of view i wonder Christopher McQuarrie, who we talk about a lot. He's a Fixie nominee for Best Director for Mission Impossible Fallout. Uh, get, get past that real quick. You're welcome. Um, Christopher McQuarrie wrote this script. He won Best Screenplay at the Oscars. And uh, from a screenplay point of view, I, I like exactly what you're talking about, Jeremy, that there are certain things that are fact, that we know 
are facts in this movie. What I sort of wish was made clearer throughout is ex- outside of just the robbery, you know, shootout at the boat. What else are facts? What do we know? Was there was there a character of Redfoot, whether that was his name or not? Does that character exist? Did that job exist? Did the why does you know, that the, matter? That doesn't matter. It does because it it like I said, it lends to the idea of once you find out the twist ending, were, were pieces of this movie true? Were were the was the New York's finest taxi service story? Was any of that true? That seems like that'd yeah, be that easy enough true. thing to look up. But like it, mm-hmm. it just makes you it makes the movie confusing because you don't know what what's being fabricated and what is fact. But that's what film is, and that's what cinema is, and that's what's so smart about this movie is it plays with narrative in the way that only movies can. But it doesn't resolve it. It it does resolve it. I I mean, it resolves it to the point where there's you feel satisfied as a viewer. Yes, you don't know if certain elements are true or not, but who cares? That's that's sort of my point from the beginning. Is we're it's all a fictional lie that we're given with most any movie so why not play with it like that and it like sort of reminds me of memento in that way which it you know whereas whereas the usual suspects manipulates the storytelling device of cinema memento manipulates the time device of cinema and these are both like 90s movies that figured out a way to play with um the medium in a way that we you never really seen before and and use it for its unique purpose and that's why i think this movie is so successful and 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 so fun what do you think chapin well the problem with that is that you only find that that only comes together in the last five minutes but it still works as a fun. It still works as a film it, before that. I think like I enjoyed the hell out of it with these characters. I, I and agree. I agree. But I, I think it just adds something in the last five minutes. I think I say I say you guys. It. Yeah. No. But uh, well. Okay. But th- that's what the movie's remembered for. It's not. And 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 I think Lee's point about what actually happened does matter because we've watched it. And I sent you guys that that uh, Roger Ebert review that he where he's famously, you know, super critical of this film, one and a half stars, because I wanted you guys to see I, that line where he says he felt manipulated. Uh, I forget what the exact line is. It's something about feeling manipulated versus you know, seeing how these character the the motivations of these characters, and I think there is a fine line. I mean. Obviously, all film, in some ways, you know, editing is manipulative. That's just what it is. You're connecting to two unrelated images, as we've learned in film school. The old, uh, uh, what's his, what's the guy's name? Battleship. No, Battleship Potemkin. Uh, oh, Eisenstein. Eisenstein. You know, you see the the tea kettle, and you see the person reacting to it, and these things are two unrelated images until you connect them in a film, and. So film is inherently manipulative. We understand that. But to to go this film, just I think it's important what you actually what you what is actually happening, what is actually because they they don't really you don't really learn anything from the narrative like 
and I'm saying like the narrative within the narrative, like what are we supposed to take away from that? That, I mean, is, 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 um, Kevin Spacey a real gangster? Is he not a real gangster? Is this someone, is this a movie about like the myth of criminals? Is this about, um, you know, the, the image that criminals have of themselves, you know, what, what is this, you know, ultimately, what are they trying to say with, with this twist? And I think, unfortunately, this, this is an incredibly enjoyable film to watch and incredibly entertaining, but you, you sort of leave without much of a, with much substance from that twist ending. And in, 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 in so much as you're saying, fuck, that was surprising. And boy, like you're, you're, I think what's, what is powerful is that you're sort of putting together what Kaiser Soze means to you in your head. But then on second or third viewing, you start to realize that it's a little bit empty. Yeah, I agree, Chapin. And I, and I agree with both of you that this is a fun movie. I, I enjoyed it less on that front this time around, but that was really because I intentionally went into this to try to see what, what the twist revealed throughout the rest of the movie. So I was right. paying very close attention to that. I was paying very close attention to the backstories of these characters and the like kind of the nuance in the storytelling and what might be true and what might not be. So I, the the fun hangout of this movie was lost a little bit this time around, but I do love all the characters in this movie. I like the performances from the the five usual suspects. Um oddly, I think the uh Gabriel Byrne is the one I had the most problem with this time around. Um, Maybe we Hmm. can get into that shortly, but Chapin's point about you get to the end and this is like, wow, what a twist. The first time watching, of course that's going to leave an impression because you haven't had an opportunity to really go back and dissect whether or not it makes sense. And that's what to me makes Roger Ebert, such a fascinating critic and such an astute one in this case, because while I I don't quite agree with the level of malign he had for this movie, I I think he made a lot of really accurate points in the flaws when you're trying to put all this together. Um, But let me ask you this. Do you, did you guys feel manipulated? Well, yeah, because there's nothing, that's another thing about a twist ending is there, there's nothing in this movie that gives you the chance to uncover it. In fact, it's the opposite. Like you watch these scenes play out as verbal Kent explains how it went, which is a lie. So there's no, there's no clues. There's some, I've read some things about his lighter, you know, that maybe you see that in a couple scenes, like who the hell would pull that? Be like, Oh, I knew it all along because of his gold lighter. But that's annoying to me. So it's manipulative to change the narrative at the end like that. It doesn't make it any less surprising or exciting. It just makes it a little less relevant. I, I just don't get why manipulative is a dirty word here because that's all movies are manipulative in one but way you, or another. It's whether they're effective at being manipulative. Sure. But I guess like what, the, what is that manipulation doing? Is, but how I is think this? Yeah. How is this effective? It's effective because sort of like what I going back to what I was saying before is because if you look at it as a storytelling device, it becomes sort of, you know, really interesting 
to the viewer to be lost in one one character sort of narrative and then you realize that hey what what movies are what anyone like you know you sit down to talk to anybody like there's all you know that's what life is too it's like there's little lies here or there and then obviously on this particular story he's telling bigger lies that are more specific and poignant to the uh, end goal that he's trying to get across. So I, I think that's sort of the revelation at the end is you're like, oh, f- you know, f- first off, this guy we've sort of seen in this one light this whole time is somebody completely different. That's o- obviously interesting, but also like just the narrative of storytelling is what, you know, He's he's sort of uncovering. I don't think this worked on the meta level that you're describing, like where movies are manipulative and movies are just telling stories. So here we have the character in the movie but why being manipulative and telling worked? a story. Because I I I don't know. I just I don't I didn't see it functioning on that same artistic level in a way like Memento does. Like it was interesting that you brought up that comparison because I think that. The combination of what Nolan is doing in Memento structurally and the structure of his story mesh so seamlessly here. That's what they're trying to do. I mean, it's clearly there's a physical aspect to it because he starts as a cripple and ends as not like that's a a manifestation (laughs) of (laughs) of what I'm saying. Okay, let's let's move on from this. I don't want to get too hung up on that. Lee, why were you twist. you were pushing this movie? Why were you so interested in looking at this movie? Uh, we well, I mean, I, I know we're trying to move on from the twist a little bit, but I don't remember what podcast it came up on. But uh, maybe it was the Sixth Sense where we were talking about how that the twist ending makes you go back and look, and you see the movie in such a different light, and it improves the movie. And I started to wonder if the Usual Suspects did that. And it made me raise an eyebrow that thinking is Usual Suspects a good movie uh, or is it just a good ending? And so I wanted to revisit it for that reason. Uh, As it turns out, I think it is a good movie, but not but having nothing to do with the twist ending. I think the ending maybe makes it slightly worse, but separate. (laughs) Like It's a good ending and it's a good movie, but the two together make the movie slightly worse. But I think this is a good movie. For a number of different other reasons, I think it's. Well, before we do a, that, Jeremy, yeah. what is this? Tell tell me what happened in the Usual Suspect at the end of it. What was your takeaway? Uh, well, the takeaway is that he's Kaiser Sose, right? Um, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that we know that there, you know, we know that all these characters existed. We just don't know exactly how they got from the point in that jail cell, which seems to be fact, uh, to the end part where the, the, they're on the boat and the boat blows up or, the, or burns. Um, we do know for fa- a fact that that guy could identify Kaiser Soze and he was killed for it. That okay. was the reason for that to be there. So, and it seems like the way that Verbal Kent manipulated uh the detectives is the same way that he manipulated um, 
the other criminals to get what he wanted. And so that's he, why he's so the legend of the Kaiser Sose. In, the entire plot of this movie was constructed so that he could execute and hide his crimes from the person who identified him. <clears throat> and yep. the way he plans on doing that is half-heartedly constructing a story based on the the scatterings of the whiteboard that are behind the guy interviewing him. No, I don't and think he that reveals was the plan. himself and he reveals himself to the Hungarian guy. I mean, like his he's trying to keep his identity secret, but then he reveals it to a customs officer. I mean, what I don't understand. All right. Well, I mean, it, it, yes, I, I, I'm not. Tr- <laughs> there's not a lot of like, I guess there's not. If you really want to go into the logic of it, it's going to be torn apart because half of it's made up. Like it, it doesn't, you know, well, doesn't work <laughs> entirely on that level. I mean, he won best screenplay for this. What I would assume is the brilliant structure of this movie, which I, I'm not denying, but I mean, you can't just say stop unpacking the ending here. You know, you have to, we got to think about it. They left us, you know, he, he only gave us five minutes to figure it out. And now we're here to analyze it. Like he, sure. he's hiding uh, his identity, but to do so, he just, he comes out as verbal Kent and he knows he's going to be. Well, the, yeah, uh, it doesn't make sense. Hurt You're right. But head. like it leaves rubbing his head. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you're right, though, Chapin, sit, like, How many people sit there and, and, and think about this? It's really, I don't know. Go ahead. Well, so, okay, well, because, well, you're right, Chapin. And I think there are a lot of plot holes here. But to defend Jeremy a little bit, I, I don't think that they are, they are egregious plot holes. I don't think it's too important to think about why he sits down in this very illegal interrogation, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> that... Uh, he has with Agent Kulian. Now, if you want to make the argument about this not then not being worthy of a best screenplay Oscar, I will I will fight that battle with you. Like I, I agree. I think that that maybe this is a, a very good screenplay, but maybe not the one that it's it's hyped up to be. But for me, where I I struggled most with the kind of story is the character development and having a hard time buying into who these characters are, especially Keaton, who's this ex-cop hardened criminal criminal that killed four guys in Sing Sing. Like, but you isn't never that the point? see him. Is it, you never see that character. But isn't that the point? Is like he's you only see him from verbal story, whereas that I mean doesn't uh, Chaz Palminteri literally say that same thing. The guy you are describing doesn't exist. This guy's like a hardened criminal, blah, blah, blah. So it like that's sort of an indication of the, um, I guess, him making up the story. Like he, he literally says that. So okay. we never see, that's like fine. we never right. see but the you, real Keaton. But do you understand the problem with this, Jeremy, where it's just like, if if you can just say everything like oh it's because it's a lie that he's telling like where is the what are we watching then like that's just annoying at that point when you're just anything is just excused because you have an unreliable narrator yeah because it's i mean that's what's interesting right i haven't seen rashman but my understanding of that film is you know it's a it's a bunch of different perspectives on a single event you haven't seen rashman yeah i'm sorry i shouldn't even admitted that 
next on my list on the Criterion. But, but uh, well, I just changed the movie that I'm uh, recommending, <laughs> Chafin. So that's oh god, I still gotta figure that out. Okay, that's um, that's got a uh, that has that. There's a purpose for that, right? Like, like here's how here's how different people see things. But I, I, I'm with Lee's point. I mean, I like I would understand what you're saying, Jeremy. If this film was like about the you know about storytelling about narrative like about but how do the, you like what do you lies. what would make it about storytelling like it's about the verbal kent writing a book like, like no no there's no, that. no, like, no like, i don't know i don't mean that at all i just mean like if it if, is about storytelling that's what it is about but how but in what way in, in what substantive way is it but what do you mean like beyond way? beyond getting you to the twist what does what does this what does all the narrative intertwining get you? It doesn't. I don't think it. Deli- I mean, I, I What's could be wrong. What's verbal story there for? Yeah. Oh, you you want me to answer that? Well, I I, I mean, I think I, I I like I'm 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 not trying to be super critical of this movie because I really enjoyed watching it and I enjoyed the twist, but I I think if you're gonna unpack a movie and you're gonna give it an Academy Award, we have to think about these things. And and I'm trying to kind of connect to what you're connecting with. Like, like I've noticed recently that, that you, I, and, and you're right to criticize me for it when I say things like, you know, this isn't realistic or whatever, because that th- those kind of things don't, you're right, don't matter. What really matters is, you know, what's in the confines of the story. You always say a movie is a movie is a movie. But, mm-hmm. but, it can't just exist, or at least it can't exist in an excellent film just to serve what the filmmakers want, which is the payoff. It can't just exist so that we're surprised at the end, which is right. And I think I can't I think, think, think of a better reason for it to exist. If it just was for the payoff, I think I I think I'd agree with you. But taking that aspect that I was mentioning before of it being what sort of how we how we digest cinema, how we digest movies in general, if you put that layer onto it, I think it really works to show you, you know, how that works. And if you can't, it, you know, because it, basically they're taking a noir a fun noir crime movie and showing you sort of just how how it's built basically right and it's built by somebody making up a story and making up characters uh and keeping it in sort of a genre and then going from there and that's what this this reveals sort of at the end and all that other stuff you're asking about is like, no, I don't have really an answer for it because it is a bit asinine, but it doesn't really matter because it's showing you how our, our stories are sort of built. Well, I think it's only asinine. I mean, I mean, it's, it's asinine because well, it, it... Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I think the problem with the line you're drawing is that you're saying stop here, right? And I, to some to some degree, I appreciate that because I, I like the idea of thinking within the confines of a movie. But I just 
I think, you know, this film, like in doing what you're describing, it, it makes you wake up to the, it makes you understand how you are being manipulated, which is in some terms, some ways very interesting, but also it's, it's, um, it makes you look back at the film in a way that a lot of these other surprise ending films that are at least on my list don't, they don't make Mm -hmm. you think like, a little annoyed with the fact that they showed you something that may or may not have happened. And, and it's like, it's often just like too convenient. It's just, it's, it's there to show you. Okay. So Kaiser Soze created this, you know, got these guys together in this lineup. Is, is that our understanding? Like, is yes. that where it started? So they started that he had this big thing to get back at all these guys because they had some sort of dealings with him, or at least that's what the, they, they, they had robbed from him unknowingly. And so this was his way of getting revenge on him. So he weaves this like this twisty little, you know, kind of revenge plot. But like you're saying, stop, stop there. Don't unpack it beyond just, the, you know, you're like, just open the package just a little bit and look what's inside. See, I don't mind yeah. the the twisted narrative of getting the five suspects together you know, orchestrated by Kaiser Soze to then do this job. I, you're right, Chapin. Like that can that can feel cheap, but I don't mind all of that stuff if if it means anything. But like, my problem is that like it just ended up not meaning all that much in the so, end. So okay, so take away like in the end, you guys think and you feel whatever rightfully so that this just sort of um it takes a the ending takes away from everything you had already previously watched right like that's how you guys feel so up until that point if if the movie had ended even with that sort of first twist where Keaton is Kaiser Soze, would that have been a satisfying ending for you I I like the idea of Keaton being Kaiser Soze um yeah because Everything we've watched and everything we've heard from Agent Kulian up to that point supports that theory. Right. So to me, like, yeah. And like, it also makes sense that, you know, Kaiser Soze, you know, when they say, you know, he's underground, he disappears, like, or he's, you know, just living a different life as this guy who's, you know, dating a lawyer and trying to be a businessman. Like, it it, it all just makes sense. What we've seen in the movie supports that idea. So I like that idea. It's it's so the less the movie ends there. Players, but. The movie ends there, and you know, Verbalkin is exactly what we think he is. Is this movie? What is this movie? It's well, and this is okay. That, yeah, it's so that's, fun, and that's exactly like that's exactly kind of what I wanted to revisit this movie for. Because if that's the case, then what is this movie? It's it's a it's a fun movie. With fun, fun characters, no, fun crime noir, fun fun crime noir, but it's not nearly remembered the way it is because of that twist. So, as a result, if but you if I'm you saying... don't feel like the twist works, like I don't, then then I have to admit that that's what this movie is. It's a fun crime noir that just exists. All I'm saying is, no matter what, it it sort of elevates this movie beyond and. And you can take my perspective on it as like 
narrative and filmmaking and and then telling us stories or you cannot and just sort of go oh shit that guy was this guy the whole time and never think about it again and i think it works on that stupid simple level of oh whoa that's, i don't even think you know, it's that stupid i think it's it works on a it makes it a more memorable movie Right, and then you don't watch it again, and <laughs> you try to pick it apart and see where you know all this, you know, fits together. Because I think you guys are right; that part doesn't necessarily fit together. But like I've been arguing, it doesn't really matter. Um, do you guys think Palminteri is good in this movie? Mm, not really. I don't either, and I feel like he hurt a lot of the movie because of that. Like. I think he's really bad when he realizes, like when he realizes the uh, that he's been making it up and he's staring he's, at the board. Um, uh, he's just, yeah. just I, I was like, sipping wow, his coffee that's... and smiling. I think he's bad the whole time, honestly. And I like he's he just is unconvincing. Well, and his I mean, character it... is just. It, there's also like a weird bit in the screenplay about like all the all the law enforcement agencies that are involved and why like for these seemingly other than Keaton, like no name criminals. And well, uh, let's so yeah, who cares? I don't know. Uh, obviously the best performance was Benicio del Toro. God, he's so funny in this movie. I mean, the best performance is Kevin Spacey. I'm sorry to say, (laughs) are we we allowed to say that? Yeah. I I I don't think he's that good. Really? Uh, yeah, I don't would, think it's his best work, but I think he's really great in it. Should, still shouldn't like have won best supporting actor. The mediocrity actor, of the mid '90s did this movie run away with two awards? With. Oh my god! Look at the. This is like such a abysmal Oscar list of Oscar nominations for 1995. I mean, Apollo 13 should have just won everything, and then Heat, that was not nominated for anything, should have won whatever Apollo 13 didn't. And then everything oh, else is just. Fucks. I mean, Braveheart won a lot, but like best cinematography, Braveheart won. Stephen Goldblatt for Batman Forever. Uh, Yu Lu for Sh- Shanghai Triad. Michael Coulter for Sense and Sensibility, and Emmanuel Lebeski for A Little Princess, which I did see, and it was not Kuran's best film. But like, really. <laughs> God, he won an Oscar all, right. all the way back then? Jeez. He was nominated. Oh, okay. Interesting. I I've, I didn't think I'd have to defend this movie as much as I I, I liked did this on movie, this podcast. especially once Kobayashi shows up in this film. I think it gets really entertaining. Yeah, it's um, an, I I think I it's, just have a problem with the end. I just feel like it doesn't work and it's disappointing because it's so memorable. The the problem is I I think it, it's a real great demonstration of Brian Singer's abilities. I think he I honestly don't think I think ultimately this script is overrated and I think that his directing is underrated. It's just um, he just has some age. He can't, has yeah. can't he, believe you are supporting Brian Singer. Well, I'm at least, not. At least I'm, you condemned Kevin Spacey. I'm I'm not. I mean, I I don't like saying that, and I and I think to his to criticize Brian Singer a little bit. I think he you know, never made anything as good as this. It's a know, pedophile. And he's also a pedophile. So, um, so there you go. So there's our review of the usual suspects. 
directed by Brian Singer and starring Kevin Spacey. It's like a who's who of <laughs> sexual predators. Uh, all right. Should we head to our draft? Or do you want to do our challenge if Chapin's ready? I think I'm ready. Okay, let's do our challenge. Okay. I got to write down uh, what I'm going to be watching here. Who's giving me, uh, is it Lee? Lee or? Yeah. All right. Lee, what am I watching for next week's uh, right. podcast? I would like you, I'm almost positive you haven't seen this movie. Um, hmm. And, well, it's not one that's really necessary to complete your film education in thinking about it and thinking about challenging it to you. I do think there's going to be a good amount of interesting things to discuss with it. Um, but mostly I just want you to be able to join in with me and Chapin. Um, but I want you to watch First Blood. Nice. That'll be fun. And Annihilation, again. <laughs> just another revisit. Yeah, First Blood. Um, yeah, I've never and, seen any of those. So. Me and Chapin sort of have a fun relationship with the Rambo movies. <laughs> so um, I'd like you to be able to join in on that. And First Blood is actually a good one while the rest are just fun Um, although Chapin have you seen Last Blood no but uh, oh my god that's in the queue baby it's like Home Alone for Rambo oh sounds great Uh, All right, I'll go next I I actually am going to switch this up because I think this is a a great one to follow this up with and um, I want to revisit it and it is Rashomon Chapin I I think we should all watch it cool great nice um, Lee, I have a, I have two picks for you and I'm, th- I just want to make sure you're not a fan of the film Unforgiven. Is that correct? Uh, I mean, I've seen it. If you have something else, I've seen it much more recently and, and I do like it. You do like it. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I was wanting you to review, re to, to watch, um, Danny Boyle's sunshine, which I talk about a lot. Oh, great. I should read. All right. So we got speaking first of endings I had an issue with. We got First Blood, Rashomon, and Sunshine. What that's a, a wild, collection. what a wild uh, podcast that's going to be! I'm really excited to watch Sunshine. This is great. All right, so we've talked enough about twist Starring endings. Cliff let's, Curtis, obviously. <laughs> let's talk a little bit more. Um, so we're going to do a draft ranking of our best twist endings and it's endings right guys it's not like something that i stuck with endings tw- yeah twisting halfway through Ooh, rush uh, on less than 90 minutes sorry Beautiful. oh perfect um uh, all right this, so i wonder if it's on criterion i wonder okay, I it's <laughs> oh it definitely it's definitely gonna be on criterion <laughs> watch chapin's criterion. it's on it's on hbo max if it's not oh, okay i have that so Excellent. Should we do? Should we do right. our top five? Our draft. Our draft sorry, or... sorry, sorry, Jeremy. <laughs> Just keep talking about the. Uh, all right, uh, Chapin, are you ready? Do you want to go be the first draft pick? Sure. Um, yeah. So, like I said, I uh, I love the idea of the twist ending, kind of redefining the way you look at it, adding to the story instead of taking away from it, like usual suspects. Um, and so, I will for my first pick. Will be Denis Villeneuve's Arrival. That's a good pick. It would have been on my list. 
wasn't going to be on my list. Oh, fuck. I forgot about the draft thing. Damn it. I, um, wait, wait, can we take our pick back? Well, that's your nope, first pick overall, first overall pick. You have Surprise overall. Not, not Sam Bowie. Overall. We meant Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> wow, pulled that out. No, 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 okay, no. Kevin Durant, not, not Greg Odin. Sorry, 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 sorry. It's like reading the wrong uh, Oscar thing for La La Land. <laughs> the, bla- the Trailblazers take Greg Odin? Odin gets up there and be like, oh, nope, sorry. I, I was not the first pick. Kevin Durant, you were. You won. The Trailblazers yeah, take if, La La Land. If only, if only he could have. He didn't collapse on the way up and break up his stairs, knee on yes. the stairs. <laughs> All right. He's out up? of the league, right? Like, yeah. He's oh, like, yeah. Like he's, I mean, he would have been anyway at this point, but he's like nine. Somehow he's 90. <laughs> yeah. Um, am I up? Yeah, sure. Okay. Take all the picks. Now, did you guys specifically go with twist endings or was surprise endings allowed? I don't uh, know. What's the difference? Both. I don't. Yeah. These yeah, are, because this is one of your distinctions. My, my number one overall pick, it wasn't necessarily a twist, but it was a, a surprise. And it just, it did make the movie. It made you think about the movie, made you think about everything that happens and why. Surprise. And how surprised it ended. Ending. And how this ending fits. Uncut Gems. Oof. Oh, fuck. That's so good. I totally forgot. One of hmm. the best endings I've seen. Yeah, that's a surprise. I, not a twist, though. I see. Yeah, I not see, a twist, now, yeah. now I see your distinction. Hmm. I would not have. Uh, I would not have considered that. Rashomon okay, is so... also on Criterion. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with uh, a movie we've talked about in our retrospective, The Prestige. It's gonna be my number one pick. Damn it. The Prestige. The Prestige. All right, Chapin, what do you got for your number two? Um, my number two is going to be Unbreakable. Great pick. Ahead of the Sixth Sense. Interesting choice. That's well, a movie we, I'd want to We talked about this on the on the Sixth Sense podcast. I, I, do, I think the the ending of Unbreakable is much more important. It's much I, more yeah. um, substantive to the story. It, it, I was... It re- it heightens it, it um like like a like a ribeye steak can bring to a cabernet sauvignon it can elevate it beyond what it already is of course of course of course i um i was i was thinking the same thing with those two and i wasn't sure which one was going to pick um my next pick i am going to go with mohan drive i okay, honestly tell us the i twist, can't remember yeah. see this was a actually this was a movie i had considered if you it turned out you had seen First Blood, Jeremy Mulholland Drive was going to be the movie I was going to challenge you to watch. Yeah, um, I think you both need to revisit this. The twist in this movie is I know you're going to you're going to love this shape and that it's all a dream. Um, but it's not all a dream. That 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 part of the the twist happens earlier in the movie. Um, it's really what what turns what. Uh, Naomi Watts's character, who she turns out to be and what her life has become. And you find out at the end that she had killed herself and kind of the intensity of, of that in combination with what you've seen in the dream and trying to connect those pieces makes it a really fascinating twist. Yeah. Yeah, It's a uh, movie I definitely need to see again. Lynch is someone I 
love to understand it. Not underappreciated in the Hemingway. Should we do a Mo- Lynch retrospective? <laughs> oh, Mohan Drive is the only one of his movies that I love. Oh wow! In fact, maybe it's the only one that I like. But <laughs> I really like Elephant Man. I have to see a bunch again. Uh, all right, uh, my number two overall pick is I'm going to go with. I'll go with Fight Club. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A great twist. I mean, great movie. That that kind despite of despite what Tyson says. That kind of um, that fits my my uh, my um, criteria there. That's a great, and that's a that to me is a great example of revealing that the character isn't who you thought he was the whole time, and how it fits in the movie. Like, yeah, in a much better way, I think, than Usual Suspects handles that. Uh, all right, Chapin, you're on to your third pick. So we talked about it a little bit. Um, mine is going to be me- Memento. Um, now I, from me. I am going to use what I read to be, I know the outcome is a little, what is your well, guys's, what's there, your interpretation so there's two, of the Memento? There's two things that could be a twist in this movie. Well, one okay. is definitely a twist, which is, and, and, which is that he has killed multiple people. Yeah. That he does this over and over again. Yeah. So that's, that's fact. The other piece, which I don't know that I believe, but you can is that he actually killed his wife sammy jenkins doesn't exist unknowingly yeah so um, that's that's the twist i'm referring to okay and that's fair and that that exists the possibility of that exists i think that is the ending but okay all right i'm gonna go way out there for this one guys um my number three pick is gonna be saw again a movie i i couldn't tell you how it ended um, I liked the first Saw. I thought it was a really original idea. It's been commercialized and sequeled into oblivion at this point, and I don't even know where, how to follow it. But I think the first Saw for a low-budget movie set in one room, like with really high stakes, is a pretty intense horror thriller. And and the twist at the end is well earned. Have I told you guys my the story of seeing Saw? When you were in a Saw situation? No, when I saw the film Saw. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Um, I saw it at the Boston Common. Uh, that's a, a AMC, right? Yeah, the, the Lowe's, yeah. The Lowe's, Lowe's. Right that's that's worse than being in the Saw room. Right, so um, there were a lot of people talking in the movie, and the gentleman um, sitting next to me very quickly after they started talking said, Shut the fuck up! <laughs> <laughs> And it worked. And he, <laughs> so that's anyway. what I haven't been doing. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, I'm going to go for my number. What are we on? My number three. I will do. I'll just do the sixth sense. Might as well get it on my list. Okay. Might as well draft it. Man, running out of options here. Yeah. All right, Chapin. Fourth overall pick right yeah or fourth pick for you rather empire strikes back all right yeah that was tough for me that's just become so iconic it doesn't feel like a twist anymore but i guess it would have been so it would have been an amazing reveal and that's like how close to the end does he do that 
Um, it's pretty close to There's the end. There's still like it's 10 right minutes left. It's like right? the final battle, right during the final battle scene, right? Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah, he gets picked up and then, yeah. Okay. Okay. I don't know about this left. one, but I'm going to I'm going to go with it. Primal fear. Yeah. What do you it, it works for this list? Yeah. You I just I, don't know if it's a good movie. Oh, I don't and I don't know how well the twist works. It's been a long time since I saw it, but I was compiling this and I was like, what are uh, does this fit the idea of this twist knocked me out of my seat and it totally did and it was just such a such an impressive movie, performance, I and I don't know if that twist would hold up. I, I actually wonder if that might be the only thing that holds up about that movie. Um, well, his performance. Although is hold all the up. stuff he about the Catholic good. Church is <laughs> interesting. Oh yeah, um, that's true. Like uh, was he abused right. was in that movie? On. What? Yeah, he was. He was sexually abused. That yeah. wasn't just part of the story. Uh, no, he actually, well, yeah, no, he was. That's why he killed him. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, somehow he's still the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Not the, not the, <laughs> not the, not the, not the Catholic Church. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, I'm going to go with Planet of the Apes. Yeah. See, I love Planet of the Apes, the original. My only issue with that one is it's just this. The, literally the last shot. Well, that's twist endings. It is. It it's just didn't feel like it was enough happening in the in the ending for me to put it on my list. It's not a good reason. It's just that's why I didn't make it. I love that movie. All right, Chapin, you're on to your number five. Uh, my number five is going to be Old Boy. Fuck, I need to see that again. Yeah, I don't remember the ending. It's on my list as a potential, but I don't remember. No. Do you want me to tell you what it is? No. Actually, you know what? Don't. Yeah, don't tell. I'd like to see it again. You've seen the remake too, Chapin, right? You think it was good? I have. With Josh, with Thanos. Yeah. Um. All right. Hmm. I'm gonna go with Scream. Great. Yeah, that's a great ending. Um, that's a, I think another horror movie that's gotten, I mean, people still really like that movie, but I feel like it's, it's gotten delegitimized by its multiple sequels and remakes and all the movies that it spawned, um, after Craven kind of reinvented the horror genre with it, but it's a very original movie. It's good. It's funny. It's clever and it's got a great twist. Yep, well, very well-written movie. Then that guy got a lot of work for, like, most of the late 90s, so. Who, Sean Ulrich? No, Sean Williamson, the guy who wrote it, I'm sorry. Oh, the screenwriter? Yeah. Um, I'm going to take a page out of Lee's book, and be, and this one's more of a surprise than a twist, but uh, I'm going to go with The Departed. Uh, Leo getting yep. shot? Yeah. Out of nowhere. And That's just, great. Our main character just with with really no acknowledgement getting just shot in the head. Yep, and um, just done. And I love how that just the scene just moves on. Like yep. just keep, you don't cut to a different scene; it just keeps going, and it, it sort of transitions yep. to Damon's character. Um, all right, so Chapin, 
for your five, you have Arrival, Unbreakable, Memento, Empire Strikes Back, and Old Boy. Lee, you have Uncut Gems, Mulholland Drive, Saw, Primal Fear, and Scream. And I have The Prestige. Primal Fear doesn't feel like it fits. <laughs> Fight Club, The Sixth Sense, Planet of the Apes, and The Departed. Yeah, I have to admit, Primal Fear feels like the one outlier in the on those fifteen movies. No, that's like a real that's a that, real twist, though. I, I know, the rest but of yours it, aren't really the movie. What? Leave a bad list. It's a bad list. I think I have a great list. You guys just haven't seen Mulholland Drive recently enough, and I probably and Uncut Gems is an amazing pick. So, I thought about Atonement, but I can't remember how I felt about that twist. I don't remember the twist in it, so going to add it to my list. Uh, let's they talk more about movies we don't remember. Yeah. Really. Next on the Get Your Film Fix podcast. <laughs> movies we're, were, were like, what happened there? <laughs> well, we're going to remedy that because I'm going to rewatch Sunshine. Jeremy's yep. going to watch First Blood, and Chapin is going to watch Rashomon. Now, uh, are we off next week? That'll give us time to watch three movies. Is that correct? Uh, no. Aren't you gone? We don't know. Oh, yes, I am gone. Yes. Okay. I'm glad I got your calendar in front of me, Chapin. Thanks. <laughs> but I'm going to, th- this podcast will be out, so. Of course. But yeah. we won't record next week. Oh, we won't. Well, unless you can. I'm, uh, I, I uh, thought you I mean, said I you were gone. Chapin, you're the one who said you were you <laughs> Let's were figure gone. this out off, rec- off, the, off wax. This is not interesting to our audience? No. Our, our, our calendar our, planning? Our ever-dwindling audience. By the way, Greg Oden had a career-high per-point game average of only 11 points and eight rebounds, which is, that's not a bad season, but he only played 21 games. What college <laughs> did he come from? Ohio. Ohio. Oh, ah, Portland. All right, speaking of that, I'm going to go watch them right now in game one of the playoffs. Nice. Celtics won. Bruins won. Yep. So, Still yeah. winning over here. Good for you All right. Guys. That's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. Uh, if you want to let us know how wrong we are, feedback at getyourfilmfixpodcast.com. Uh, follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook. I don't I really we don't care. But follow us on Instagram. That'd be nice. Um, and... Uh, until next week, where we get three movies to follow talk about. along with us. Yeah, watch all those movies. All right, thank you. I'm staying. I'm finishing my coffee. Enjoying my coffee.